Hey friends, Jordan here. Welcome to the Parish Podcast. Today we've got a special episode for you. We, from time to time, like to sit down with members of our parish community to hear how God's coming to them through their lives and then is at work through them for the sake of others. And today we have a chance to sit down with Kai Loving. Many of you know Kai. She's 16, uh, a high schooler in our community. And Kai is passionate about the work of justice and peacemaking in our local community. And that's a theme that's really been emerging for us as a church over the last few years, and particularly even over the last few weeks, as we looked at the kingdom that Jesus is at work to establish, and that his kingdom already has defined values. We looked at that passage from Micah 6.8, that God has already shown us and invited us into what is good. And what is good is that we would be people who do justly, who love mercy, and who walk humbly. This Sunday, we're going to be doing our parish broadcast from the home of the lovings, and we'll see that theme emerge again. We'll be looking at Isaiah 61, and verse 8 just states as clear as can be, I, the Lord, love justice. I, the Lord, love justice. And justice simply is the setting of all things right. And I don't think it's lost on any of us that one of the things that has happened in the midst of this very full year is that we have been invited into a fresh recognition of and reckoning with the reality of racial injustice, both in our local community and in our country at large. And as people being formed to love what God says he loves, justice work in the way of Jesus is simply not something we can opt out of. It's an essential part of our discipleship in the way of Jesus. And that's some of the very work that Kai is passionate about. And so I think you're going to really enjoy this conversation. We're going to talk about the work that she's doing, some of the things that she's been invited into, and what she's been learning along the way as Jesus invites her into both a healthy inner life that then overflows into a healthy outer journey for the life of the world. I hope you enjoy this conversation. Let's get into it. Well, good morning, Kai. Hi, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So we're taking a few minutes to chat with Kai Loving. Kai is a core member of a core family in our parish community and um, is involved in a lot of really cool justice making, peacemaking ways. Kai, let's begin. I know most people in our church know you, but let's begin with just a little bit about who you are, about your family, uh, you know, how old you are, what you're doing in school, all of that stuff. Tell us about you. Yeah. So yeah, my name is Kai. Um, and you probably met my mom and my dad, Jenna and Thomas Loving. Um, I have like five siblings, and uh, we are foster family. Uh, we've been going to the church for about, I think almost four years. I think that's about right. Um, and yeah, so I'm in, I'm a junior in high school, so I'm 16 and I'm homeschooled. I've been homeschooled for most of my life and I do a couple different hybrids and stuff like that. So yeah, yeah 
that's great. Kai is also a phenomenal babysitter. Uh, <laughs> Kai keeps our children alive on a regular basis. A uh, little shout out to Kai's babysitting uh, repertoire there. Tell us about your passion around issues of justice, particularly around areas of racial justice. But I know that really just getting to know you, your heart is for all of the places where broken systems break people. And I would love to hear how your heart toward these issues uh, has emerged and has evolved over the last year. Yeah, so I think the last year has been really impactful for like actual action that I've been taking um, because I've always had a heart for like everything. Like I've always been able to see, like my mom was pretty um, open in conversation about how like the world is broken and she didn't really try to sugarcoat it and neither did my dad. So when I was younger, I did get to know what was going on like around the world and with people that looked like me. And so they, cause they wanted me to understand like how I'm different from other people and how that doesn't make me unequal in God's eyes, but unequal in other people's eyes. So I think part of this year has been getting over the self-righteous anger and getting into the righteous anger. I would love to hear you talk more about what does that look like for you and how do you discern and distinguish between those? I can always tell when I'm like in the midst of a self-righteous like episode, I guess would say, um, because I care more about pissing people off than I do about helping people. And I justify that by saying, no, people need to see this. Like, this is something that's going on. People need to, like, wake up to the reality of what's happening in our society. And, you know, that's self, that's very, that's a selfish, I want, like, I go at it with, like, how much I post on my Instagram and just, it's not helpful stuff, you know? It's not stuff that's going to make change. I'm not saying anything. I'm just like, there's just noise. And so I really feel like my self-righteous anger is just noise. But when I'm like, and again, that's not saying I don't have like a reason to be mad. Like I have a reason to be mad. I just don't handle it well, you know? And so like when my righteous anger, I feel myself in God more. Like if I'm like really mad, I'm mad with God and I'm not like alone in it. And I think I handle conversations better when I'm like living in a way that's like, I'm angry, but that's not the only, that's not the only thing that's driving me because I want to make change and I want to help others. And I think that when I'm righteously mad, I end up making more of an impact on other people. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. It feels like right now, everything is so loaded, like, there is just so much pressure and heat under every conversation and every perspective and we end up pinballing off of each other's triggers and tempers and fears more than we end up actually like seeing the core of the real person in front of us so i, I love that distinction between when we 
uh, kind of get into the mode of trying to manufacture and force people to think differently. We're almost kind of coming at this good thing, but we're coming, we're trying to come over and against the other person. Like I've learned, like that just leaves a mark on them. They're just like, oh, well, I tried to talk to them. Even if they didn't try to talk to me, even if they came at it with the same way that I was coming at it, it still is going to leave a negative mark on them when talking about the subject of race or inequality. It's still going to be like, oh, well, I've tried to talk to my friend and they were really upset with me for nothing. And it's just like, so you have to come at it in a place where you're open and ready to talk. And part of being open and ready to talk is like being at peace with the world. That's a mess around you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What does it look like for you to try to find your own place of peace uh, so that you can bring a peaceful self into your interactions with others? Recently, it's been lots of meditation. <laughs> like I've just had to like breathe deeply and like be in scripture or be listening to like a verse of scripture over and over again and just like breathing with that. Um, I've been in Matthew a lot recently. Um, I saw something that was like, when was the last time you felt like a fire with God? You know, mm. I was thinking about that. And that's like the thing that's been on repeat. In meditation. Like I need to find a fire with God and not like a fire against it and not like a fire on my own. And that's really put me at peace. Just knowing like he's, he's watching me and he's with me in this. So I think sometimes when I'm like angry and when I'm mad and just kind of like posting to post, it's when I'm not centered and when I am centered, I feel really relaxed and like I can have these big conversations in a peaceful way. Yeah, social media is so dangerous with that because it's so easy to just jump on and hit send and, and there's no undoing once we've, uh, you know, pumped that out into the ether around us. Even if you delete it, someone's seen it and someone like, it's like, oh, that's how she feels, okay. in like July or June, I was just posting anything I saw. Anything I saw that was just like, ah, I can't, I can't see this without sharing it and like trying to get other people to see how mad I am. Yeah. Well, I think that's one of the things that you mentioned as we've talked about this in the past is that your hope is to change hearts and minds rather than laws. Uh, and, but it feels like the, what you're saying here is that the first heart to change is your own. And so we know that this is, uh, the work of Jesus How, and at the same time it is possible. And I think you alluded to this earlier. It is possible to go about the work of Jesus without walking in the way of Jesus. And I think we see that all around us. We see people who are, uh, who are zealous 
but their own internal heart posture actually ends up working against the very change they're hoping to see. And it's like the first step towards seeing God's kingdom coming is our own repentance and our own change of heart so that then we're in right relationship with others as we invite them into right relationship as well. So tell me more about that. What has it looked like for you as you, uh, as you hope to, I guess, first change your heart, but then also then bring change into the hearts and minds of others? Well, I think for me, like, you know, I know currently I'm 16. I'm not going to change too many laws right now. You know what I mean? And I don't think, I think that there have been so many laws in history that have been changed, but because we as a people haven't moved with those laws, we haven't changed the way that we act. Sure, segregation, that's over. And slavery, that's over. But that doesn't mean that we have, like, bits and pieces of that racist past with us that we're carrying. And just because a law has been changed doesn't mean our heart and mind has been changed. Hmm. And so I think a big part was like this past year has been after I kind of, after I'm centered, I need to help other people in my own, within my own community of color get centered. And maybe even not that, maybe just know that there is a community here, especially in Forsyth, because it was a sun downtown for so long and changing the hearts and minds of the people within my community is a bigger issue currently than changing a law outside of our community because we've tried that and it just doesn't help people, you know? Like a system changing its laws, obviously there needs to be like the system needs to change and there needs to be real change in that area. But for that to happen, there needs to be real change in the hearts and minds of the people that you're changing laws for. Yeah, so you mentioned uh, we both live in Forsyth County. Forsyth County obviously has a very deep and dark history around issues of race and racial justice. Um, And over this last summer, you led a rally in Forsyth And I would love to hear and have you share with us uh, what that rally looked like, how you went about it, and and why that was important to you. So tell us a little bit about uh, all of that. Oh, man, that was terrifying. Um, (laughs) That was really scary. (laughs) Because, you know, when starting this, it was me and two other girls that, and one of them was like a little, I think she was like 20, and then the other girl was like around my age, probably 17. So we were kind of like, you know, out there because, um, you know, that's just, that's a, that's a big thing, especially for grown people who do it. But like, we're pretty young to be doing something as big as that, you know, the main, for me, the main goal of that protest was to say to like all the people of color in that area, hey, we're here and you're not the only ones here and we love you so much. And so that's why we did it on Marketplace and coming because it was like right where a bunch of people were coming and going. And it was, it was really like when we got there, we had to really stay in a place where we are gonna we're not going to fully control the narrative, but we're not going to let people get to the point where it's aggressive because that's just not what we wanted. Um, 
so my the I think the main thing that I was doing the entire time was just like hey I'm pissed too but please try to remember it's not worth it to lash out at somebody passing by it's not worth it to flip someone off or yell across the parking lot at someone who is disagreeing with us like we need to stay aware that we're here for the people of color in this community not for the people that are against us we didn't come to fight these people we came to support these people and at the end of the day there were a lot of people that were pretty upset with us for being there and there were a lot of people that were pretty that were just glad we were there because they saw that we supported them and we they saw that a small community is going to love them and that was enough for me you know that's great well i, I what i love is that you you put real world action to things you care about and often that's like the hardest thing to do uh, and I, I say that looking in the mirror at myself, like it's it's so easy to feel strongly about these things and to fire off a quick, you know, hot take on Twitter, uh, but not to actually like get involved in the real work in daily life. And so uh, I think it's I think it's great how you stepped out, you took a risk and you put your faith into action in a meaningful way. I think there's something there for all of us to to take away. So let's talk about uh, the simple way. Um, so uh, for those who are not familiar, tell us about the simple way, about this program you were recently accepted into, the work you're doing there. Like give us the background first on what and who the simple way is, but then also how you became connected with that work uh, and, and then what it looks like for you to participate in the uh, program that you're a part of. Yes. So The Simple Way is led by Shane Claiborne, and he's really cool. I have a, like, aspire, I aspire to be someone like him. He um, motivates me a lot, and uh, just, he has a real heart for justice, and, but he has it, he wants to walk with Jesus through this justice, and he wants to start in his community, and so what he does for like mission wise is he goes into communities like living within that community and sharing the work of Jesus and really just uh, he's an inspiration I love him but um you know in a simple way they try they go they go everywhere with that so like for their mission years they'll go to like I think they actually came to Atlanta and they lived in the bluff for a, a, about a year yeah a year and they redid houses and all that stuff. And they try to give people what they need in the long term rather than like the short term. And they have a lot of like core values and they're just a really good program when you're looking for, when you're looking for justice work with Jesus. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I think Shane Claiborne is a name that uh, many who are familiar with the work of Christian justice in the U.S. are familiar with. And uh, and so tell me about how you got connected to uh, to what is happening there. Yeah. Um, so my mom was, I think she, she found this um, prayer program, like they were doing, not prayer program, they were doing a small group once a week 
um, during like all this quarantine stuff, they were hosting a small group on Google Meet and just like inviting anyone to sit with scripture and pray and just have a time of like peace and meditation. And so she did that and found out that they were starting a new online program. They call it like their cohort. And um, it was gonna be like a little community of people that wanted to learn more about how Jesus and justice go together and how and read like the books that go into all that you know like i think currently we're reading jesus and the disinherited by howard thurman and so i was like that sounds dope (laughs) count me in (laughs) (laughs) so i applied like three days before applications were supposed to be due and I was like there's no way I'm gonna get in because it was just like a brand new thing they were doing and like hundreds of people were signing up and they were only taking a few and I was just like please 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 um and you know I felt like that was a really proactive step that I took in like my faith just because it wasn't like like it was something that I believed in so much and then the God that I believe in so much together. And I was like, this would be an incredible, an incredible step in my life for me to take. And they accepted me. And I was like, ah, oh my God. <laughs> so awesome. It was so cool. And now like, it's incredible to get to know people in all different, in all different places and within different communities and learn about their communities and how they're struggling with this time in such different and unique ways and i'm the youngest one there and that is super intimidating (laughs) and so but i've always been able to connect with adults like that you know i've always been able i love talking and hearing stories about their life and so it's been an incredible place to just learn and grow more in my faith and just like mature as a person and hear about all the different things that are going on in other people's lives I think that's the thing I value most is the practices that they're encouraging me to do and that they're like pushing me to, you know, maybe because I, when you grew up, when you grow up in an evangelical household and I did for a really long time, you know, you don't really know like another way to practice and live with Jesus besides opening your Bible or just saying a quick prayer before dinner. And so the I'm learning and the practices that like we're all learning now have been amazing and an incredible way to connect with Jesus on a completely different scale and it's just like and I want to share that I want to be like I so I want to be like hey this isn't like you know I just want to invite people into that because I think it's really it's so peaceful when you're living with Jesus and you're not just like you know, waiting for the next prayer or waiting for the next time you could open your Bible when you're just like breathing him in always and knowing he's there and just practicing that life, knowing that he's right beside you. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. I love that. So you're practicing the presence of God with you at all times. In a sense, you're you're praying without ceasing uh, as opposed to seeing your prayer life as this little slice of the pie over here. There's been a way to bring that into your, your moment by moment life. And I think like... 
and incredible like a big part of this is me seeing like hey like i think right now the way i identify with like christ is i really i aspire to be like a christian mystic and just live through him always and to just have this connection with him that maybe sometimes i share with other people but that's also like a really personal relationship you know and i think of it less as like you know um you know there's obviously there's always a time to think of it like he's my king and i'm here you know what i mean but then i think the relationship i currently have is like this is my dad and i don't have to open the world to everything i'm learning with him but i can show the world how i got there that's great. Now, okay, so you've been a part of this program for a few months now, but you've already been invited to take a next step in after you finish high school. Of course, we're actively trying to sabotage that from happening. So, you know, yes. you don't leave our community. Uh, tell me, though, about that invitation and, and what the future may look like. Um, yes, so <laughs> I was having a one-on-one -on -one conversation with um, my leader, Ra, and they were you know, we were just talking about how I'm fitting into the cohort and how everything's going with that. And I mentioned to them that I was interested in mission year after I graduated and like, what steps do I need to, what steps do I need to take to prepare for that? Or how do I need to go about applying for that? And when should I start? And they were like, honestly, like, as long as you're 18, when you apply, I can guarantee you're going to get in. And I was like, <laughs> what? It was, it was a, it was a pretty big deal because that means, like, going into mission year and being able to live with their community as soon as I graduate, and because I've been, you know, I'm a junior, so it's like the year that you stress about colleges and like, where do I go? Where am I gonna apply? Like, where do I need to visit? Blah blah blah, and I honestly think like this going down this path is going to help me more in my career of justice and in my like mindset with Jesus to keep going, you know, and realizing it doesn't just like the, the time that I'm in doesn't end after this cohort, doesn't end after this school year, doesn't end after, you know, like this podcast, it doesn't end. So, okay, two more things I would love to explore with you, and it's the correlation of a couple of things that sometimes feel like they end up in tension with one another. I don't think they necessarily have to, but they easily can get there, and it's a struggle. So the first is the tension between action and identity. Like, as we go out and we, we work at things we're passionate about, there is something so meaningful about that. There's something in our calling, in our vocation, that is a way to cooperate with God and to say yes, to be a practitioner, to actually get out in the world and, and help make things happen, help move things forward. And that's so fulfilling sometimes that then it can become our identity and we can get lost in being the 
person, you know, for me being the pastor or being uh, a spiritual leader or for, in your case, being an activist or being a peacemaker. And, and these are really good things that then sometimes begin to define us. How do you understand the correlation between the work you're doing and who you are? And, and just riff on for a minute, like, who is Kai? And, and how do you understand that as you do this meaningful work, but also realize you're more than the meaningful work that you do? So I think like a big part of that has been like my race identity um, because I want to 100% be in action with like the work that I want to do. And then I also just want to sit on the couch and watch the office and chill out, you know? And <laughs> it's really hard to it's really hard to separate those two things. And I think that part of me is like, hey, you need to get up and you need to continue to do this. And the other part of me is like, you're exhausted. <laughs> you need to take a beat and just like breathe for a minute. And I think that I do definitely come to a point where I just exhaust myself to the, like the fullest extent that I can. And I, the way I've learned to balance it is like, first I have to separate because I've, you know, a lot of people used to see me as like, oh, that's the Afro girl. She, you know, has like Martin Luther King quotes on her hand or something like that. Because, you know, it's just that was a part of who I was. So I completely embraced it. And I think a lot of people thought of me as like, oh, that's that only black girl in our class or rather than, hey, that's Kai. And so having to separate that was a really big deal for me because I had to realize like, first of all, you can be any race and still fight for justice. You don't need to identify yourself as, I didn't need to identify myself as, this is black me. This is me coming out as an activist and for my race and just like saying, here I am. Having to disregard other people's labels helped me disregard the labels I had between my own brain and having to break a binary box that I had in my brain because I definitely think I would switch back and forth with who I was and who like I was trying to be. And at the end of the day, breaking that open and just being me and thinking of how I am instead of how other people want me to be, it was easy for me to be like, I am black Kai, I am Puerto Rican Kai, I'm Hawaiian Kai, I'm white Kai, 1000% of the time because I'm just Kai. And I can fight for social justice and still be me. And I can sit on the couch and watch The Office and still be me. So, yeah. So, yes, that's this correlation between action and identity. And then there's also a correlation between action and rest. And you've alluded to this a few times, like, what does it look like to stay in a healthy spot? And that if there like in the absence of self-care, we become self-righteous and we start to come at what is good work, but in a less than good way. So tell me what are the practices that will sustain you or that you find sustaining you so that you can stay in a healthy place in the midst of this difficult work? Um, I think like music has become a big part of how I rest currently. Um, I have so much joy when I listen to music and when I am like playing music. So in this season, I've 
taken up ukulele and electric guitar and like acoustic guitar and just like tried to like when I'm centered when I can do that I can like I can breathe with God and I can be like I'm playing a song right now and I'm enjoying the song and I'm having a good time right now and I'm resting and so I think I have for the past few months have been able to be like okay today I'm gonna put my phone down and I'm gonna sit with my family or I'm gonna do this and I'm gonna like separate a big part of like me resting is separating myself from social media and just putting that away because I feel like there's so much on there and there's so much information that you can consume you really have to center yourself and take an active role in that and so that's what I've been practicing and trying to practice the past few months okay last question I'm going to put you on the spot on this one I did not mention this to you in advance so you can you can opt out of this question one of the things that I think is really important for those of us who are white right now is to be listening to voices from people of color who just, we have uh, too often not amplified voices that need to be heard. And so I would love to hear like what is on your heart for white Christians to know right now? Uh, and, and so again, I know that's kind of a big question that, that comes without a whole lot of warning, but, um, what would you hope that those of us in the parish who perhaps come from either a, a place of a racial majority or a place of affluence or a place where perhaps we have not experienced some of the experiences that we're seeing being named in protests in the news, on social media. Um, I hope this is making sense, but like, what is it that you would want to say that you think would be helpful for white Christians to know? Unfortunately, because of the way that our country is, like black Christians and white Christians are separated and that is a segregation that's happening. And I think the biggest part of, you know, I hate the word woke, but trying to like wake up and, you know, be out there is like just reevaluating the way that you talk, reevaluating the way that you see other people or other communities and tearing down the stereotypes in your head. And, you know, everyone has to do that. There is always internalized racism in everybody, even people of color. Like there is always going to be internalized racism inside you. And so finding that and accepting that and realizing like, cause that's okay because we are sinners, you know? And so this is just another place where you are falling short. So, you know, rather than like calling each other racist and saying, no, 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 I, we're not, there's, I'm not a racist. Look at yourself and be like, I am because I'm a sinner and because this is the way I'm, I'm a flawed person. So of course you're going to have racism or sexism or anything like that. You have flaws and looking at that and realizing that and be like, okay, how can I, how can I be aware of the way that I'm speaking? How can I be aware of, you know, the hurt that are, that is on our other communities and I've always said, like, I can talk to, I am open to having a conversation with anybody. 
as long as they are open to hearing, you know? And I think that's a really big part of it. And just realizing like, this is something, this should be a priority. If it was a priority to Jesus, it was a priority to people that love Jesus as much as I do. This should be my priority too. Thank you.